Contained herein are the heresies of Radolf Burntwine, erstwhile monk-turned-traveling medical investigator. Join me as I uncover the blasphemous truth of a plague-ridden world, that ours is not a loving God, and we are not its favored children. The Heresies of Radolf Burntwine, coming January 2nd, wherever podcasts are available. It's kind of its own genre, right? Yeah. Well, what if there is no tomorrow? There wasn't one today. It's not like people were hailing it as a masterpiece when it first came out, but it's had such legs. <laughs> Watch out for that first step. It's a doozy. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Cinefix Top 100, our isolated Arctic research facility where we're stuck playing computer chess until we watch 100 of the greatest movies ever made. Joining me is Cinefix's chief Petri dish uh, inspector, uh, Alex Stedman. How are you doing? I'm great. And another promotion. Thanks for noticing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. From exec- mm-hmm. Is chief bigger than executive? That's a good, yeah, sure. Yeah, kind of a yeah, lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it? Yeah, because okay, that's great. like the C yeah. in any kind of C, C Good level. Good point, yeah. Congratulations. Thank you, and, thank you. And uh, also, of course, here with us, flamethrower enthusiast... Michael Calibro. How you doing, man? Good, dude. How you doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Today, we are talking uh, about Groundhog Day, just like every other time we do Wait, we're show. not talking about the thing? No, we're not. Oh. Yeah. One of these days, maybe. Wait, wait, take I it put from, the thing on my list. Take it from the top, maybe, so I forgot. I just, just going to do it. <laughs> yeah, just do it again. I thought, I'm sorry. I thought we, do, I, I thought we were talking about yeah. the thing. Let's, let's uh, we take get it from this the top. before 6 a.m., so let's, <laughs> let's get through this. We're talking about Groundhog Day today, uh, and just like every other time we do this show, uh, we have no idea where this film ranks on the, the mythical, algorithmically produced Cinefix Top 100 list, uh, but our producer, Dan, has, of course, left us with this uh, mysterious uh, and, and terrifying envelope, uh, and we'll open that at the end of the episode, but frankly, I don't have time for that kind of stress and drama, so let's just start talking about (laughs) this movie, Groundhog Day. The pedigree of this film, 1993, directed by Harold Ramis, uh, starring Bill Murray, obviously, Andy McDowell, who, by the way, Andy McDowell in the 90s was great. She's great. Yeah. This was a moment. Just a real solid second name on a movie poster kind of of run for her in the the 90s. Bill Murray plays a weatherman who gets stuck in the same day that repeats over and over and over over again on Groundhog's Day in Punxsutawney, Pennsylvania. I hadn't watched this movie in 20 years. I have a confession. Like, it was probably more than that. This is the first time I had to watch a movie for the first time for this podcast. You I've never, so never so seen you, Groundhog Day. So what? where was it on your list? So it was really <laughs> I was going to say, I guess it's kind of a spoiler <laughs> for the end. Okay. okay. No, I uh, I got to tell you, not a huge fan. Not a big fan. Okay, no. we'll save, save that Yeah, we'll, we'll get into the, it. But yeah, no, but that's, it, but yeah, I haven't watched it until like two weeks ago. When, when did you first see it? As a Pennsylvanian who spent his entire life trying to get out of Pennsylvania, I very much relate to that movie. <laughs> You really, this movie, yeah. movie it's really on the nose literally close yeah. to home yeah. for you. I'm pretty sure I saw it in the theaters when I was a kid. Watched it a couple other times prior to that. But again, like it was 20, 25 years. I don't know when the last time I saw yeah. it was. But mm-hmm. when it came out, it was uh, it was mostly a success. Like it didn't light the world on fire critically or, or commercially. It made 70 million at the box office, which was to- Dude, totally that's a fine. lot. That's a yeah. lot of money yeah. for a summer comedy. Yeah, it's yeah. fine. Yeah. Yeah. Was it actually a summer comedy or um, did, re- did they no, release it? No, it? It, was a, it was a winter yeah. movie. I read some, but the it was like the the second biggest winter February, opening yeah. weekend 
just behind Wayne's World from the year prior or something like that. I don't oh, know. I they were not confident is, in this movie. 70 million, like, for sure, not a failure of, yeah. of it by any stretch. Critically, it was mostly uh, everybody really liked it. it I did read uh, a handful of negative reviews that came out. And, like, so it's, I, it, I wouldn't say it was mixed, but there, it wasn't universally beloved at the time. I th- it's been in the years since. Right, the years since have really been kind. To well, this that's movie. what's so interesting about this movie too. Like it was like like you were saying, it's not like people were hailing it as a masterpiece when it first came out, but it's had such legs, and like there's kind of almost been like a critical like reevaluation of it since it came out. Like I was even looking up like Roger Ebert's review because I usually do that with these, and he first gave it like three stars, and then he came back in like 2005 and was like, "All right, I'll give it four. <laughs> but like it really like I've it, had 20 years to yeah, think about I've, it. Yeah, yeah, but like no, it entered the lexicon, but like wasn't immediately like recognized as this huge thing i feel like and, and i wouldn't call it a, a cult hit no either, it's not right? yeah. like no, it just sort of a, slowly it just that. sort of slowly ticked up in its esteem over mm-hmm. the past you know 30 years this is like one of those movies that's in the genre of like dvds came out it's time for dads to get their whole collection back again and mm-hmm. it's like mike we're going to the store we're getting the dvd groundhog day you've never seen this but you're gonna love it you're gonna yeah. watch it you're, you're gonna, gonna goddamn yeah. love this yeah. we're gonna go downstairs we're gonna watch this it's gonna be great <laughs> that actually is the legacy of yeah. this movie yeah. it's such a dad movie yeah. Yeah. this it is really a dad is. dvd yeah. if there ever dad was dvd one, right? absolutely but speaking of like it being successful on dvd it came out just like in minutes prior to dvds exploding i think but uh one of the things that i read in in looking at like any if it won any awards or anything didn't get nominated for any academy awards or anything like that harold ramus um and danny rubin who wrote the screenplay won a bafta for best original screenplay and andy mcdowell got a saturn award oh wow full, huh. full stop on the accolades for yeah. uh, for um for groundhog day but the funny thing is about the columbia uh pictures sent out a box set of vhs tapes to something like 4500 academy voters with nine of their movies from that year that were eligible for votes. Apparently it cost them somewhere close to half a million dollars to do this, but they sent a box set of nine VHS tapes, including Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day was one of them, made the cut. Didn't get any nominations, though. Well, I mean, like... Big old waste of money, I guess, VHS tapes. Gonna deviate the conversation quickly, but this is gonna be an interesting interesting question. If you think Groundhog Day was made today, is this a three-hour movie? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, No, I don't. I think it's made for Hulu, and it's called Palm Springs. That's where that one yeah. was, right? Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, this movie has also been imitated to death. It's kind of its own genre, right? Yeah. yeah. The it, Groundhog yeah. Day. The time loop is definitely a yeah. genre. Yeah. 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 It's it's Groundhog Day, but it's sci-fi and aliens. And it's yeah. Groundhog Day, except it's hipsters in Palm Springs. Yeah. And it's, or it's like the, Natasha Lyonne in New York. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Like, magical realism as kind of a genre unto itself is is a lot of fun we can we'll yeah. talk more about that later especially particularly well i guess we can talk about it a little bit about it now with harold ramus yeah i adore harold ramus i i legitimately miss him mm-hmm. um but uh the work he was doing and so we, prior to this he had done caddyshack he had done uh, national lampoon's vacation right. uh in club paradise prior to this mm-hmm. um which yeah. don't whatever. know we i don't know that, that one. one i don't think i've seen that that's one. it's totally fine yeah. that you haven't <laughs> Uh, is it on I Dan's list? It's, probably. It's probably on Dan's list. It's probably list. on Dan's list. I just list. missed the cut. But his work as a writer, too, because he, I mean, he, he wrote for, I don't know how familiar you guys were with SCTV. Yeah. Um, I, where, I loved it. I mean, that's like where, like, you know, John Candy yeah. and, like, Eugene Levy. And that's it. That whole, yeah. that whole crew. Like, they, um, the, the alternative to Saturday Night Live. Yeah, yeah. Like, that was way better than Mad TV. Um, but... You know, writing, uh, uh, you know, he wrote for SCTV. That's where he came f- came from, wrote Animal House, 
Um, then later in the nineties, after this, like his work on like multiplicity and uh, you know bedazzled Brendan hey, Fraser, Brendan Fraser, and, uh, Elizabeth, Elizabeth Hurley. Hurley. Yeah. yeah, it was yeah. that. It was a sneaky fun movie. Um, but again, it was one of those like wish fulfillment. Like, what if he makes a deal with the devil? Kind of yeah. like, and all of these different things play out, and he learns and grows because of it. And same deal with multiplicity. Like, what if you could clone yourself, and how would that you know impact your life and all this stuff like how are you going to learn and grow from this bizarre circumstance that you find yourself in you know and i mean you look at between multiplicity and and bedazzled and 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 then groundhog day is kind of a, a fun little trilogy mm-hmm. in, of his stuff in the 90s it's all he doesn't explain any of it first of all yeah. deal with the devil you don't have to explain yeah yeah You're like okay great yeah that's a blank check to do whatever we want multiplicity is like cloning is a, a word that people are aware of and we don't have to tech i'm not going to get into the explanation of it but here we go let's go and then they very actively in Groundhog Day made the choice to not explain I how it really happened. I hadn't thought at all. about that for some reason. Because it doesn't matter. No, it right? doesn't. And you you aren't really thinking about it when you watch the movie. Yeah. Which is wild. I think is one of the most skillful parts about this movie. Yeah. Is that there's no that thread isn't even there to tug on. And in you terms just of accept like, it. Why is this yeah. happening? You just accept that it's happening. That's yeah. I think yeah. Huh. That's a point in favor of this movie. I think. Yeah. I mean yeah. that's that's. That's what's always always good in those kind of movies, right? Like, I think one of the many flaws of like the John Wick franchise is like, let's dive into this assassin economy more yeah. instead mm-hmm. of like in John Wick One. It's just like this assassin economy exists. Let's go with it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. We definitely live in like a media landscape <laughs> yeah. where like everything needs to be explained, and we yeah. want the deep lore and everything. But well, that's not yeah. always needed. And if you can yeah. compare Groundhog Day like to the matrix franchise and pirates of the caribbean and these movies that like the sequels made the mistake of falling in love with their own lore john John wick toes that line Uh, for me not everything needs to world build i don't i don't need to know who makes these gold coins yeah i really don't we don't need to go to morocco that's not why these coins are minted well maybe don't watch the four like the full series called the continental on peacock I, I, I don't think I will be. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, that is, that is, I think, one of the most skillful things about, about this movie mm-hmm. is like the way that the magical realism of it is not addressed and it's, it, it doesn't need it. It's yeah. not missing. And you it's know. not really called a sci-fi movie at all. Like, it's called, like, a, a comedy, a romantic uh, yeah, I comedy. I wouldn't think I wouldn't call a sci-fi. A sci-fi, yeah. sci-fi no, yeah. But, but there's yeah. that. Magical realism is a good way fantasy. to describe it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So one of the other things that, that strikes me about this movie kind of structurally and, and Frankly, a part of it that I forgot about was it's kind of two movies. Oh, it fully is. For a movie that repeats the same thing over and over and over again, it's it's shocking that it's not more than just two movies in a way, but it's it's two very different energies. And one I very much do not like, (laughs) and one I'm fine with. Well, let's talk about it. Yeah, yeah. So the first half of the, like, so I will say the moment where it changes is like very identifiable. It's that hotel room scene where he tries and fails to seduce uh, the Andy McDowell character, Rita, in in a real unsavory way Mm -hmm. that's a little uncomfy. But it's after that scene, it's after she slaps him in the face and he, he gets told. It's after that where it becomes a completely different movie because he's kind of learned at that point. And the moment I was like, all right, I'm with the movie now is that kind of like surreal suicide sequence. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, When he like (laughs) takes the groundhog and drives off the cliff. I'm like, all right, now I can deal with this movie. (laughs) No, but it is very different. It's like half the movie is him obviously being a scumbag and, you know, being really terrible to women and uh, not learning anything. And then the second half is actually like, you know, he's learning and growing yeah. and yeah, no, it's 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 kind of odd though to like watch it and think about it. You spend the whole first half of this movie 
like and we were talking about it. It's like I hate this guy. No, he's like, the like, worst. When you meet yeah. him, he's 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 rude to everybody yeah. that he works with. He's an he's an arrogant prick. Like, yeah. Full stop. Great weatherman though. Great weatherman. Oh yeah, he's got that down. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, he's a that, very the good one weatherman. scene where he's like being a jerk to the um the very sweet lady at the bed and breakfast, and like, he's actually just like giving the forecast. I'm like, okay, well he's a good weatherman. Yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. But even that, like he's it's a thing that he's good at that he's using to dress down other people. Oh yeah. He's like you. That's suck. also one of the biggest yeah. jerk moments in the movie. He's like she's just trying to make small talk, yeah, my yeah, guy. Yeah. Um, but like no, that's why I feel like the first half of this movie was so hard for me to get through as someone who like has no nostalgia for it or anything right. because like I just I, I don't know why I should be sticking with you my guy like well, it's funny so you know act one is he he sucks he like, sucks his, yeah. act Full one is, is he sucks and that's his baseline yeah. yeah then between the start of act two through the midpoint of the movie it's like as he discovers this sort of power that he had he starts using it for really shitty things like oh, yeah. he starts you know he's like trying to get information about this woman just so he can get her in bed. Like, yeah. he's manipulative and he greasy. He gets worse for a second. he gets worse. Yeah. And it gets gradual. It starts with just like, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to smoke and drink and I'm going to eat all of the, these pastries. Which and- I think is everyone's, like, first reaction yeah. almost. Right. Kind of, like, go through and all their step vices. step two is, like... I'm going to be a manipulative evil f- yeah, yeah, just go full villain on just, it. Just full predatory villain. Yeah. When that moment happens, when he's like, he starts directing that villainy toward Andy McDowell. Yeah. And then that and me was like, no, 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 not her. Like, yeah. don't do it. Don't yeah. you do it. She's too nice. Yeah. Even though she's like, extra nice in an almost insufferable She's way almost, too. Okay, like, yeah, I, that's another problem I have with this movie is how, like, to me, like, and not to get too much on my soapbox, she's very much a woman written by a man where she, like, is, like, basically just there to be, like, a very perfect person in mm-hmm. comparison to, uh, to Phil. Um, yeah, but no, she's that, not quite a manic pixie dream girl, but a, she's like, it's on a her little way. Bit of, she's on, yeah. It's kind of like that in a yeah, way. If she were, like, you know, if she listened to the shins a little bit more, maybe. But it's also, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more, it's also why I really like Andy McDowell because, like, she manages to pull something through to yeah. like yeah to be but again, not until the turn so like yeah not until the turn he starts directing her villainy or his villainy at her that that's a whole other reaction from me and then there's that scene in the hotel where he pushes way too hard and it gets real gross and yeah. she calls him out on it and then he starts doing the suicide thing and it happens just in time yeah. oh like, my god yeah just in the nick of time if you give the filmmakers credit then they knew what they were doing. They pushed yeah. it right to right up to the line. Like where right when you're about to walk away and give up on this Literally, dude. I'm going to turn this guy yeah. movie off because I don't want to spend more time with this guy. Yeah. And then, oh, now I'm going to watch him kill himself for the next no, five minutes. Like, you're so right. That was like my exact experience yeah. watching it for the first time a couple weeks ago. Like I was like, if I didn't have to watch this for this, like I probably would have turned gone. it off by yeah. now. But like, no, it's right in the nick of time. They do it exactly. And then time. I'm fully on board. The mm-hmm. second he gets in the car with the groundhog, I'm like, now you have me. Like, <laughs> Now this is a movie I can deal with. But no, it's like it just pushes you right to the edge, especially in time-wise and also in terms of his actions. Like what we were saying, he's jerk, then extra jerk, and then he reigns it in. That's not bad for a quadruped. You got to check your mirrors. Just side of your eye. Side of your eye. Which is funny is like the back half of this movie too feels more grounded. It feels more. It, does, it feels yeah. more real than the first half, even though it's it's getting more and more absurd, right? Yeah. Because like the, the back half of the movie is where he starts learning how to be an ice sculptor and learning the piano and and doing. And all he starts of these like stuff. trying to save homeless people. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The other legacy of this movie, by the way, uh, is the philosophical elements yeah. Yeah. of it. Which is why I wanted to like it more than I did because I love the philosophy behind it. I'm kind of like an easy mark for like just be a good person, like messages, like the good place, I eat it up, you know, like everything everywhere all at once. But no, the message has really 
stood the test of time. I mean, you have like Buddhists studying it and like classes taught it. Right. Like it's it has quite the legacy just about like the philosophy. It's like weirdly way deeper than you expect it to go. It certainly can be. Like it's yeah. it's kind of a Rorschach in that in that sense. Like it's as like it's as deep as you want to yeah. be. It's mm-hmm. just elevated a concept enough to where you can kind of project whatever you need to on it. But do you think they tried to make it deep or people just made it deeper? No, I think it's it applies like the same way of like they don't have to explain the mechanism by which he's yeah. stuck in the time loop, right? Yeah. Like yeah. it's just it's just tight. Yeah. And to your point, right, which is why I give the filmmakers a lot of credit is cuz like whether you like the first like whether you whether you like Bill Murray in the first half or not, right? Like it is exquisitely paced because it's it just is. like yeah, no, you're like right. you're to the point where you're just like F- this guy. Yeah. Mark it eight. <laughs> and then and then it's just like, oh, he, then he goes and kill. Then he just tries to kill himself for five minutes. And like, let's let's be honest, what an amazing palate cleanser! Oh, yeah. it's such a good palate, and it, it's like it's like that's like it it got so wacky in that scene that I was like, I've been waiting for it to be this wacky. Like either like get deep with it or get yeah. bonkers with it, and it went full bonkers. Yeah. Like how many ways did he try to kill himself? <laughs> like he's a handful. Yeah, yeah. but it's yeah. also like the perfect like visual metaphor for like the death of like the id, right? Right. The it is, you know, like the ego kind of thing, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just like he can't even like he like he did all of the uh, gluttonous, the gluttonous mm-hmm. living. Right. Realized that there was no purpose in that. Tries as hard as he can to just like kill himself. Mm-hmm. Can't. Yeah. Comes and out on the other side. Comes yeah. out on the other side. It's like, well, maybe if I can make other people's lives better. Yeah. You know, just like even that scene where it's like that guy dies and he feels bad and he's just like cuts to him just like feeding the guy soup at the counter like yep. the next day yeah you know like yeah well and that's and, and the that's... grinch's heart grew three sizes <laughs> exactly. i mean pretty much exactly yeah. what would you do if you were stuck in one place and every day was exactly the same and nothing that you did mattered no that sums it up for me for the art of the scene segment for for this movie I feel like the story is in all those tiny little details. You know, when he walks past that homeless guy and he does that, like, really practiced fake, like, oh, I, I, don't, I don't have my yeah. wallet, kind of, you know, pats his coat down and shrugs and keeps moving on. Like, you know, so going from that guy who just pretends to to show some effort but really has no intention of actually helping yeah. anybody else to literally, like, giving him CPR in the alley right. uh, and then being legitimately crushed when he does die, when he can't save this this person. You have to, like, wonder, like, how long that took. Well, that's, there's a lot of, a lot of ink been spilled about that, yeah. which is another one of the this, the legacies of this of this movie, I think. The people that want to try and figure out how long, like, yeah. what, you know. I like how everybody comes down to the conclusion. It's like basically like spaceships. Like how fast could this ship go? Well, as fast as plot dictates. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. It's, but the idea of, I mean, I've, there's been all kinds of things about like, well, it takes this amount of time to learn the piano. And, and it takes only this had, amount of time. To, and and he only sure. had about five hours a day to do it. So. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then Harold Ramis also brings up the point. He also had a lot of wayward time there. Yeah. Like he, yeah. he wasn't like, he didn't hit the ground running with these skills. Like he wasted a lot. So like, uh, you know. Oh, he was like wasting time up until yeah. the, the big turn basically. Well, and there was also, you know, the, uh, some, the writer at one point even said like, it maybe it's been 10,000 years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Can you like imagine? And then, like, so like, I, I think the idea of it being, you know, indeterminate and infinite yeah. and, and unknowable, like that's part of the, part of the whole 
deal with this movie. Mm-hmm. Like we don't need to know what or why or how. All we need to know is that like it's eternal. It's mm-hmm. an experience, and if you focus on like what you're going through day to day about like helping people and all that other stuff instead of like then you become a better person. Like yeah. that's the ultimate. Like thematically is the only thing that matters. The nuts and bolts of this movie literally do not matter. Like yeah. narratively speaking, but like the nuts and bolts of how they made it. Like one of the the scene that I want to talk about is is the Ned Ryerson. Because I, I think that's, that's the scene that makes this entire movie. Phil? Hey, Phil? Phil? Phil Connors? Phil Connors, I thought that was you. Uh, how you doing? Thanks for watching. Hey, hey. Now, don't you tell me you don't remember me, because I sure as heck fire remember you. Not a chance. <laughs> Ned! Ryerson! Oh, my God. Stephen Tobolowsky is perfect. Yeah. <laughs> like, so no good. notes. Perfect. Yeah. Yeah. He told Harold Ramis before they started shooting, he was like, I was working on this. It got a little big. Yeah. But I'm just going to do it. And you pull me back. And they didn't pull back a no. one iota. Like everything that he Phil, did is like, Connors. he's like, I'm going to be like splattered on the walls. But, you know, we're going to. Um, but that, I mean, that scene, that scene's great. I mean, yeah, you have him, you have him just being a general jerk at first. You have him knowing he can punch him yeah. with no repercussions. And then ultimately coming on, like, you know, a positive side on the guy. And then how they shot it, too. It's yeah. like, but it's also the scene, too, where, where he first walks past the homeless guy. Yeah. He first walks past the old man. And, and so they're all, the setup of that scene and the detail of it and then how things gradually change within that scene itself, to me, is like, is one of, it's the story of the first half of the movie. And it works so well with, like, kind of, like, the philosophy of the movie which is kind of having you like you know think about all of your day-to-day interactions and how are you treating people in those day-to-day interactions um so i do really appreciate that about it about that scene too i also just like it because i think like i don't know maybe i am an asshole but like i think that's like (laughs) the most relatable moment in the beginning of the movie because like we all unfortunately know those people which is like every time i go home just like please if if you see something like you see someone from high school you you remember and you don't want to like you don't want to engage. Yeah. Oh, we all have a Ned yeah. Ryerson for yeah. sure. And it's just yeah. like, hey, Cal. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> yeah. But he's also like, Ned is also kind of like a jerk in a way himself too. Like him just like losing his mind when Phil walks into the puddle. Well, I think he's too nice to actively be a jerk, right? Yeah. He's just that oblivious sort of force of nature person. Yeah. That is just going to be like well, so He just really wants to sell you some happy. insurance. He's, yeah. a, he's, a, he's an insurance salesman. The right. most thankless job. Yeah, but he's thrilled about it. Yeah. You know? it, he does so seem like, really passionate about his job. He does. It's kind of nice. He's, he's got his thing. Yeah. And it makes him happy and he's doing it. Um, but yeah, I mean, and weirdly enough too, like I do think as easy as it is to dislike, uh, Phil, like Bill Murray's character in the first half of the movie, Ned Ryerson is one of the moments where you can actually, to your point, Calibro, like you can relate to that. Yeah. Like there's a moment Definitely. where you kind of cringe along with him and you're like, oh, this is terrible. Yeah. Um, so like that's a thing that starts to kind of buy him a little more sort of leniency, I guess, from the audience. And at maybe. first he's actually not a big, as big a jerk as he could have been, which no. is credit to him. No, yeah. like we, we can see it because yeah. we see him being sarcastic to this guy who right. it doesn't register for. And you know, yeah. yeah. But how they shot that scene, they shot it, uh, from what I read, I, I poked around I'm looking for like official behind the scenes things and there's not a ton of it that I could find, but I wanted to see exactly how they shot that sequence and like, did they shoot the, and they did, they shot it just back to back to back as yeah. best they could. Apparently the weather was changing constantly on them and things like oh. that and they had to reshoot the back to back to back a couple of times uh, to, to get like 
they were Harold Ramis was trying to trying to decide what he wanted the morning to look like. If yeah. he wanted it gray or if he wanted it kind of sunny. Well, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're shooting it in a winter in the north. You yeah. want it gray. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so they they were having to get the the right weather. So they would shoot it back to back to back with the same background, doing the same actions, uh, the same cars on the street, the same cars driving by at the exact same time. The only thing that changed was the camera moved a little bit. Um, and then Bill Murray's wardrobe changed a little bit. And yeah. His yeah. energy changed a little yeah, bit. Yeah. And that was and that was it. Everything else stayed exactly the same. But like shooting those moments back to back to back. And I imagine they did that with the whole movie. Right. right? Like, like him ever, waking up in the bed and breakfast the room. The montage of him and Andy McDowell at the bar where he's yeah. like trying out new, oh, you like French poetry? Like yeah. that whole sequence. Yeah, all those. All of that stuff. Just um, I also read an interesting thing where, where Bill Murray would lose track of where he was. I mean, thing, sure, which yeah. Is completely easy. <laughs> yeah. Um, but in and the, he would end up just asking Harold Ramis before each take, he'd be like, "Good fill or bad fill?" And uh, that would be that would basically be how he operated. I mean, the scene, yeah, which is easy enough. That's what it boils down to. That's something I thought about a lot watching the movie. It must have been so annoying and tedious to shoot sometimes, and yeah, like losing where you are in the movie. I mean, it's the the fun irony of. The subject matter of the movie itself. Oh yeah, they're going through their all their own little <laughs> right, groundhog right. day on the set. And then also the number of times, you know, to uh, just filmmaking in general, yeah. having to do things over and over and over and over again. Yeah. Again and again. And again without and again yeah, and again. without going too much behind the scenes drama, like like apparently Bill Murray was going through like a divorce at the time, and him and Ramis were fighting. Well, like that like, must have been a miserable set. Yeah, and that that <laughs> like, is a thing that we can talk about real quick because yeah. like every story that I've kind of heard about this movie is that it was kind of awful to yeah. shoot yeah like sounds terrible vibe yeah. sounded terrible so bill murray was going through a divorce and and, and he and harold yeah. ramus didn't speak again until right before harold ramus died apparently like it was that that's the rumor anyway. yeah but there was like a, they had some creative agreement or disagreements i think so too yeah. like one of them i can't remember which one but one of them really wanted to focus on like the philosophy whereas like the other was like it's a comedy, yeah, it should bill, be a comedy. apparently bill murray did bill murray wanted it to be about like he wanted it to be about all the, the themes and everything. Yeah. And Harold Ramis was like, no, it's a romantic comedy. Yeah. And Bill Murray's like, You kind of no. see that in the movie, though, because it kind of walks those two lines. Like, there are times where it's just a straightforward romantic comedy, and there are times where it's like, oh, my God. Yeah. He's, like, realizing, like, the, the fragility of life when he's trying <laughs> to save this homeless yeah. man. Yeah. I, I did see an interview with Harold Ramis where he was talking about, and it was <laughs> it was so perfectly, like, a nice guy trying to, to throw shade at somebody yeah. while also sounding like he was like, yeah, you know, Bill comes by, you know, that arrogance and that, that sort of selfishness yeah. stuff like that. That's in Phil Connors, the character like Bill kind of comes by that naturally. <laughs> <laughs> just like, that is the best yeah. backhanded compliment yeah. I've and ever. Said it, it's so polite. Said it with a big old grin. Oh yeah. And like that and Midwestern backhand. Like, yeah, yeah. Like he knows that it's just why he was perfect to play the, the character and all this yeah, stuff yeah. because he's legit an asshole in real life. <laughs> like, yeah. So that part of the movie was fine. That was easy. Yeah. And not to just keep like, like, I don't know. I feel like he was like too much of a jerk <laughs> to root for him. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was talking about earlier, basically, like, Liar Liar is something similar where it's a really unlikable protagonist. I just found Jim Carrier funnier in yeah. that movie. Um, but, yeah, no, I, I feel like a lot of, like, some of the behind-the-scenes drama kind of comes out yeah. when, when you watch yeah, it. I mean, and it was cold. And, and it was cold, and it was like a random town. And yeah. it's just yeah. doing the same thing over and over again. Yeah. And even when it's different, it's the same, it's but just same. slightly different. It's a little yeah. different.
Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. I think we talked about this uh, in way back when we were talking about Eternal Sunshine. and Because it's like the exercise of you create something visually uh, that's memorable mm-hmm. so that when you change it later yeah. you notice the change well actually eternal sunshine is a really kind of good comparison point because it's all about like going through the things you've already seen mm-hmm. but like doing enough little small things yeah. to make it interesting it, and tobolowski was was funny about him too is like he serves the same function in memento Oh like, yeah! It's, it's like yeah. ten years later, or however, however many years later, but it's just as Sammy Jenkins is just yeah. like a really distinct looking and sounding human being. That's it's easy, so distinct. It's, yeah, it's easy to to sort of remember that. You know, so. I can't imagine anyone else in that role. <laughs> no, nor should you. Frankly. No, yeah. Stop. You know what kind of blew my mind watching it a second time today was. Uh, that scene where uh, he takes those two drunks and like that's where he kind of loses it and like he drives on the train tracks and stuff yeah. like that was like only his third day of doing this and yeah. like at yeah. that point he had already like given up like he didn't care about dying or ruining these guys' life I'm like he must have already been at a really weird yeah. place well because he was <laughs> already such an days. asshole yeah yeah um, but that scene was interesting I just feel bad for those poor drunks the piano lessons. Like he walks up and he's like, I'll give you, you know, the lady's like, well, I'm in, in the middle of a lesson right now and I'll give you a thousand dollars. Yeah. And then she kicks the little girl. That out. Little girl. <laughs> and so, and I started to think like, well, what does she keep that thousand dollars? Does she, does this version of, of her continue in some weird way? Where she and was a thousand dollars richer. Does that yeah. little girl never play piano again? Because her teacher threw her out that time. And yeah. like, at what point? Really, I think the question is, like, how powerful a being in this universe is Bill Murray's Well, he kind of questions right? that himself, too, because he's like, I'm, I'm a god. god. Well, yeah. I'm a god. Like, you know, like he kind of, like, um, my theory is, is that, like, everything that happens on the last day before he's, like, cured is the only thing that sticks. Um, mm. But that girl still didn't learn the piano. I can tell you that much. <laughs> no. No. Well, I guess if he was continuing the lessons right up until he woke up. Yeah. Which he got close. Yeah, but I don't know. You also have to imagine that piano teacher thinks she's the best teacher on the planet. She's like, I taught this guy how to be a professional pianist in like three hours. Well, no, theoretically, it's just like every time, every day, this guy, every day, a stranger breaks into your house that has increasingly better piano skills, but you are unaware of the guy yesterday who wasn't good at. Yeah, well, there was. Yeah, there were, You didn't meet him yesterday. Yeah, like, yeah exactly. Yesterday like, was the was. Grandma. I'll give you a thousand dollars for a piano lesson right now. Uh, okay, okay, okay. okay. Yeah. You know, you're pretty good at this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, and even like later in the movie yeah. when she's in the audience and he's he's playing with the band and yeah. he, she's like, I, I, his teacher. Yeah. And it's like, are you honestly taking credit for how good this guy is? Uh, yeah. And you, you just think met you him did this that in like afternoon? an hour? Like, like- <laughs>
but in a, in a movie that's that is i think this this sort of charming and this sort of otherwise so well put together yeah like that's a moment where that that doesn't speak to like a plot hole necessarily like that's a thing that like you can excuse that that's not a weird plot hole or anything like that right. that's like her being positively impacted by her experience with phil which is you know the story of the second half of the movie yeah and essentially all the townsfolk are basically just like props in phil's journey yeah. um but it is fun to think about how well he must know them like he must know everything about every single townsperson's life after 10,000 years. After 10,000 years. Of um, being their god. <laughs> I mean, yep. he kind of is. That's something I noticed, too, at the end. Like, you get the feeling that he's having, like, the most productive days on the planet. Like, he saves the same kid falling from the tree every day. Yep. He apparently helps. Like, he's a doctor now. He, he straightens up people's backs. I have a weird question. Yep. If you if you were Groundhog Daying it, like what what would you try to get really good at? Like what would be your piano? Mm. Yeah, this is like a party question. Yeah, right. Yeah, like yeah. What, what would your superpower be? I would try to learn a bunch of languages. I feel like languages. Yeah. To talk to who? Oh, good question. Everybody, you just you. Yeah, that's. I that's, mean, the uh, internet exists now. It didn't really. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So you you learn a bunch of languages so you could zoom with. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Like ice sculpting was an odd choice, I thought, but you know, it's winter. It makes yeah, sense. Yeah, yeah, it's winter. That's true. It's uh, always I, winter for him. I would, I would take. A, I, I, I'd go that route. I would go the, uh, you know, artistic bend. Yeah, I'd learn yeah. how to paint. I think. Yeah. Yeah, painting an instrument would have. I've legitimately always wanted to learn how to play the piano. So like, I, I would have. Piano is a good solid that. one. Timeless. I yeah. uh, learn how to to shred like Tom Morello. Yeah. Um, yeah. But he's got a master class, yeah. so I can. Well, I can he didn't in 1993. He, in 93. he was That's still true. teaching the world how much he could shred. He was, yeah, he was teaching me all about Evil Empire at that yeah. point. I've already kind of alluded to this, but the other scene that I really like in that whole suicide sequence, I think the hardest I laughed in the entire movie was when he drives off that cliff and then like just falls over, and the Chris Elliott character Larry is just like. He's probably fine. He might be okay. He might be okay. Yeah, he might be okay. That's probably my favorite like part in the yeah. movie for some reason. And also just the fact that he watches his coworker die and feels nothing apparently. Mm-hmm. Like they really hated each other. Yeah. yeah. Like that's and that's another like dynamic I find really interesting. Like these are two people who presumably spend a lot of time together and just seem to hate each other's guts. <laughs> well, because because Bill Murray's a jerk. Exactly, yeah. Like, I think Chris Elliott handles it exactly right. Like, it's, I'm just here doing my job. Like, Chris Elliott, yeah. I don't know if that character has, because we don't know, because we, later he, in we the never movie, Bill answer. Murray yeah. asks, like, do you have kids? Like, yeah. what's your deal? We don't talk. And um, But this guy that's just going about his, his job, and there's a co-worker that he has to deal with, but whatever, it's part of the gig. And, yeah. like, he's got a decent outlook on the whole thing. And what's funny is, like, Chris Elliott is such a... Um, like he never gets to to be a sort of normal guy, mm-hmm. and he got he's a sort of normal guy in this. That's like normally true. He's, he's rolling shit, right? Yeah. Like he's he's the Shit's Creek, and he's the. Uh, there's something I know about from Mary Scary Movie Two, scary where movie he's like, two, yeah, yeah, where he's like the weird hunchback guy yeah. or whatever. Yeah, like so. There's um for him to to be just a normal dude, and the yeah. only time that he kind of full Chris Elliott's is the uh, um the auction the bachelor that's auction. right yeah that is and where he, he gets, gets a little kinda, weird he yeah. gets embarrassed yeah. and like you know um but otherwise yeah like I, and i think that's great it's such a great energy because when he does when bill you know phil is killing himself nonstop mm-hmm. over and over again to see how useless a life 
the dude has because the yeah. people closest to him are like, man, whatever. Well, yeah, that's what I'm yeah. saying. They watch this man yeah. die and they're like, Ooh, oh, well, like, you know. There is one moment in the movie that I think takes place outside of the time loop. It's when they're identifying his body. That, oh. so he's on the slab. That was a dead. weird scene. And, yeah. And so, like, that, that's the only moment well, where... it depends what part of the day he kills himself, I guess. You know, if he kills yeah. himself before lunch, you could you could probably get him on a slab. Oh, yeah. No, it's it's not the timing of it. I was surprised that we got to see that. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like, narr- that narratively, that, that was, was shown on, on camera. Because, like, every other time, it's like he dies and then 6 a.m. Yeah. So. But, yeah, even in that scene, like, uh, uh, Larry and Rita are just like, yeah. That's him. Yeah, yeah. What Rita's like, I don't like looking at dead bodies, but yeah. I don't think it has much to do with Phil. Yeah. But I will <laughs> say that's one of the really good things that kind of gets you through, like, or at least got me through, like, the first half of this movie is, like, there's a really good line very early on where, like, that's a good producer. Keep the talent happy. And, like, you as a viewer are like, did he just call himself the talent? And then he walks away and Larry's like, did he just, he call, just call himself, himself the, the talent? talent? <laughs> it's so, I, I love Larry, actually, yeah. <laughs> I think. Might be okay. Well, no, probably not now. So we, I mean, we've talked a lot about like we've, uh, the first half of the movie versus the yeah. second half of the movie. Is there anything about this movie that doesn't hold up? Uh, I mean, in terms of just like you know, I mean, obviously the the greasiness with which he pursues women. The is, greasiness is, is really a, bad. Not an interesting thing I gotta to watch t- these days. It was hard to watch. Yeah. Like like here in like the year twenty twenty three watching it for the first time, I was but like, oh, is, is there is there anything on on like the, the filmmaking side of things that just mm. doesn't hold up? It's like that Hollywood filmmaking that's like, you know, invisible. Oh yeah. Right. You know, it's it's like shot cut that way to be wholly invisible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If 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 you you notice the job that I'm doing, that means I'm doing it wrong. Like, yeah. Yeah. And it's also like, like we were saying, like, yes, there is magical realism, but it's so grounded. There's like no, there's no real effects to look outdated. Like it still looks. No. Good. Yeah, yeah, for sure. There's, there's no like, you know, CG that's bad. Yeah. They had, like that. they had enough of a budget to sacrifice one truck. Yep. Yeah. In the, in the quarry. And yeah. you know what? That explosion doesn't look bad. It like it held, it held up no, for me. I think that's, yeah. proper, that's proper fire. I yeah. think. I think it, it was. Yeah. Like it they was. had yeah. to be proper fire. I mean, yeah. even the way they did it, right? Like they just like went to a, like an old quarry, yeah. and drove the truck off the cliff. All right. Great. Get yeah. get get uh, special effects down there. Let's set the charge. And, and even then... like in that scene, I really do like that scene where he's driving. Like the the groundhog doesn't look real, but that's better. Like <laughs> the groundhog looks really stupid. Yeah. In like the little car, like on his lap. Apparently, like, is a, a real groundhog. In the yeah, car, it was yeah, a real groundhog. I mean, not you know, hopefully not when it crashed, but um, <laughs> Poor guy. yeah, he, he Bill Murray kept oh. getting bit. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like true. That uh, we can see, we can that. save that for the Torf section though. Yeah. Um, no early Torf. But the, I mean, the the only thing that I, I do really like the um, it's the shot of him jumping off of the the bell tower. Yeah. Where it's so clearly a stunt double. Yeah. Um, which that early '90s the the idea that we still were okay with seeing a stunt double that didn't look like it. It reminds me of it was the same deal in Terminator 2 when he, the the motorcycle jump. It's like that is oh, yeah. not Arnold Schwarzenegger. Yeah. So when him like nose diving off of this bell tower, it's like that is not Bill Murray. Yeah. Um, but no one minds. No, but yeah. you don't. And, and we and honestly we shouldn't really. No. You know, it's not a big deal. That's but, not the point. But they know? didn't the the lengths to which they didn't bother to hide it. Like, yeah, they, he's got the same haircut, more or less, and he's wearing the same clothes. That's about it. I will <laughs> say, like, the way that this movie, like, like we were saying, the way that 
the you buy in so quickly as a viewer like it kind of extends to everything in this movie it's kind yeah. of like that was actually a huge achievement i think actually one interesting thing that i read about the the development process was that they the initial draft of the script had them starting in the middle of things like he was already he was already in the, loop? Already in the loop that's when interesting we meet um and that it was, was it was a studio note actually they're they're executive according to harold ramis it was she said the audience would probably feel cheated to not see his reaction to discovering that he's in the loop i agree with that and so note. that yeah. that gave the gave way to the entirety of of act one you know yeah. I'm, I'm i'm sure uh, if some people at the studio gave tenant some notes on its time and uh, on its time travel <laughs> usage it would probably have come out to be a better movie i i listen uh, well, studio I, notes, I don't know how yeah. much we're supposed to say this, but I, I don't think studio notes are, are they get a bad rap. Well, I was, like, that's literally yeah, think, just what I was about to yeah. say. Like studio like notes are kind of seen as like the corporate oversight, but like, listen, everyone needs an edit. It's, everyone it's, needs to yeah. get reined in sometimes. It's that invisible thing, yeah. right? Like if you notice the studio notes, yeah, yeah. They, it they're bad. Yeah, oh they're yeah. Bad. You can notice yeah. them in some you movies. Can, like, you can see them. Like, you can watch a Marvel movie and then see them saying like, you have to put this here. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Exactly. But the spot I that I really notice it is when a uh, um, an auteur, like the latest hip young auteur, does a really good movie, and then their second movie is not great. Forty five minutes too long and yeah. not very really good, you know. And it's one of those things. Is like, oh yeah, this guy really knows what he's doing. They, you know, they made a great movie, and then the second, just let him do what they want on the second one. And the second one's like, hey. yeah. <laughs> it's when you get a little, like a little like self indulgent. Film, filmmaking is yeah. such it's such a collaborative process. It is. Yeah like from from the top down it's, yeah. it's so easy to sort of vilify the studio thing but the the fact that like this is uh an example of yeah an executive said like no nah, i think we think we should see him realize yeah. it well now i'm kind of thinking like what that would even look like like it, it picking up in the middle and it's not like it would have had to have been somebody else's movie yeah right like i feel i mean in the same way that palm springs does that yeah true because palm springs has that other uh well the, it'll, the, yeah, the woman yeah. the woman's it, it kind of becomes her journey and her movie well because that's that, already that's a the way in that's the way in because like if i'm not mistaken on palm springs right you follow andy samberg right but like you don't really realize that they're in the loop until the woman wakes up the next day and then he's just like yeah i've been here this whole time yeah yeah until yeah. she like follows him through that's another example yeah. of like they explain the loop yeah. and mm -hmm. it's like some sort of that's you know, right. physics thing and there's a mm -hmm. portal in a cave that's yeah, yeah they have to, to walk i remember the cave, cave. Yeah, yeah yeah, yeah. Um, do they explain it in russian doll i was just trying to think of that that's the other one. Oh, that's yeah. Yeah, yeah, Russian doll. Yeah, I, think that, I don't think they. Also, Happy Death Day. There's a lot of Groundhog yeah. Day clones. I mean, it is a. I mean, and even Groundhog Day got. There were lawsuits that I don't think any of them actually went anywhere. Yeah. But there were lawsuits around Groundhog Day for other authors that said you you stole my book or other other writers who had pitched ideas to Columbia that were yeah. similar and so like it's as a concept the Groundhog Day formula is like it's it's not super unique no um because and it's like this is just the the best example uh of an early success of it right yeah and so that's why it becomes like well no it's groundhog day but tom cruise and aliens um, yeah so oh i liked that one too though i love all the groundhog day clones if you do it right <laughs> yeah. it's it's good yeah. fun fact i went to go see the uh, short-lived groundhog day broadway musical oh how was it that was a thing yeah it was a thing for less than a year <laughs> <laughs> it, me, me, my mom, and my Barely wife, we got, we got discount tickets, and we went to go see it. Yep. It 
was great. Was it? Yeah, I was I was truly impressed with the uh, sheer amount of creativity it took to make the drunk driving scene come alive. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> on stage. Wow. Did they just like put them like in a like a prop car and yeah, then have they a did, real rickety they, while they're driving on the so track? They did that, yeah. Right. So they did they did that and then they had like, you know, like the people in this full black suits and then they had a model car on a stick and then like it would just like kind of like there was like hands that had like city blocks that would go above it so it was like the grand theft auto view of looking down of the car on the car on the street and it's just like the, like the guy with like the stick with, with the car on a stick driving it through all these like fake city blocks that all oh, man. the behind the scenes guys are moving around that's, that's funny fun. it was i mean was like, it like cardboard cutout like intentionally low rent looking yeah 100 yeah, yeah. it was like that's very cool. low rent top down and then like one guy would get from the back like go from the bottom run and go back to the other end and then it's like swerving up another street and they're like building it like in front of it kind of thing it was i'm just like this is all to simulate drunk driving to As a yeah. broadway audience I'm, it's like you could have you could have written around yeah this yeah you yeah, totally could have yeah. yeah i'm impressed with the effort here right right the choice was like what else can we do to to represent the same thing for the character in this moment yeah, yeah. or we could like clearly They're committing no, to the bit you clearly know? no one else was because it died if yeah. i'm going yeah. to see if i'm going to see a broadway play on discount it means it's it's not long for this world <laughs> <laughs> if it if it gets all the way down to calibro going to yeah. see it calibro and his mom calibro and his mom are getting getting the cheap seats That's to go see a thing like yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's the same thing your whole life. Clean up your room, stand up straight, pick up your feet, take it like a man. Be nice to your sister. Don't mix beer and wine, ever. Oh yeah, don't drive on the railroad tracks. Well, Phil, that's one I happen to agree with. Well, let's move on to movie list. Yeah. I, uh, I dug around on Cinefix, and I don't believe it has shown up on a list as far as I can tell. Really? Yeah. I don't think it's... Uh, we did Things You Didn't Know for it. Mm-hmm. Um, we've done some other little... Like, there was a trailer mix that we recut, Edge of Tomorrow, like it's a comedy. Sort oh, of that's like funny. I should Day. watch that. But we haven't dealt with Groundhog Day a, a ton. I'm sure it's been an honorable mention somewhere. Mm-hmm. I can't really think of where. Like, but, I mean, what list would it would it show up on for you guys? I mean, I mean, it wouldn't be on my list for best comedy, but that's yeah. clearly a spot, yeah. right? I mean, I, I found an old IGN list, not that old. It was updated in like 2018 that had Groundhog Day at, at like number 11 best comedy. Probably that's probably Scott Joint. <laughs> <laughs> it was IGN Entertainment Team. I checked yeah. the byline. Oh yeah, no, that's the great thing about updating yeah. those lists is yeah. you get to really, really yeah. skate on the responsibility it pro- for it. Yeah. It'd be on time travel, right? Because I mean, like the time loop, travel. the oh. loop is definitely a yeah. time yeah. travel. Yeah. Yeah, Genre. I mean, like we like we've been saying, magical realism. I feel like that's probably mm-hmm. on. on Would it list. make a Bill Murray five brilliant moments video or no? I I don't think that they're. I don't know if he was. I mean, let's let's talk because we. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to think about the moment that would be because I, I don't in think that. Bill Murray like though it's like one of his most memorable roles. I don't necessarily think it's Bill Murray is brilliant in it. I think it's like the execution. I That's think, like I think to Harold Ramis's point, yeah. like Bill Murray was the right person in the right place for this. Mm-hmm. I don't know that Bill Murray necessarily like did anything spectacular. Bill Murray, I Bill agree. Murrayed his way through this movie. Yeah, I prefer my the Lost in Translation yeah, Rushmore think... kind of wing of Bill Murray's work more to more than the you know, I mean, there's the Caddyshack version, which is like the more slapstick stuff, but this like really mm-hmm. dry you know 
above it all kind of aloof jerk. Mm-hmm. You know, Scrooged and even Ghostbusters. He, Venkman is he's like this too. Like that like in he's got he's got yeah. an arrogant. It's not nearly as strong as it is here, but yeah. that version of Bill Murray, I, I'm not as impressed with as some of his other work. Yeah, like I, I think a lot of people would call this like his most, maybe his most famous role. But I don't I mean, know. This this movie, like we talked about it up up top, like yeah. the legacy of this movie, like it didn't happen when it came out. Which like, is it's so happened odd in retrospect. Yeah. I don't know if it's his best, but I think it might be his most famous. I mean, it's for it for sure gets mentioned. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. Yeah. This is yeah. Ghostbusters, right? And Caddyshack. I mean, Go- Ghostbusters is, is number one. one right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and then, I mean, in, in just... You mean it's not Garfield? It's not Garfield. <laughs> I don't think Garfield's going to make that cut. Oh. Um, Mondays. Yeah. Am I right? Am I right? But, I mean, in terms of other lists for this movie, like, uh, you know, time travel. Yeah, time travel. Time travel is yeah. a broad enough thing, where, and they do it enough ways we can kind of break that out into some subgenres. I think. I mean, but this like, thing in and of itself became its own subgenre. So, like, yeah, yeah. is the Groundhog Day I mean, the could, choice of the Groundhog Day? Yeah. Some I genre? don't yeah. think there are. I don't think it's quite uh, like ubiquitous enough to do Got a it. Groundhog Day clone list. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. I don't think there's enough of that. I just want to. I just want to see the write up. It's like you know, it was invented with Groundhog Day, but for our pick, we're gonna have to pick Edge of Tomorrow. Edge of Tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great Palm movie. Springs. I love Edge of Tomorrow. I think Palm Springs ended up on our best of that year list. Like, that was a, I, I that was really a really good screenplay. Yeah, yeah I, I really like Palm Springs. Um, That's the thing. I love all the clones. Like yeah. Russian Doll. Yeah, yeah. Like great. Happy Death Russian Day. Doll was great. Yeah. Happy Death Day. Not the sequel, but the first I, I one was very good. Sequel. You yeah. don't have to. Uh, but the first Happy Death Day was really good. Yeah, it was really fun. Well, it's Groundhog Day again. Any favorite quotes in this movie? So this, my favorite quote is actually not a quote from the movie, but it is from Roger Ebert's re-review. <laughs> um, and I just thought it was so... Okay, so there is a moment when Phil tells Rita, when you stand in the snow, you look like an angel. The point is not that he has come to love Rita. It is that he has learned to see the angel. That is like the deepest thing I've ever read in a review. <laughs> yeah, and like... And that's, that's the thing, right? It's like the decision as to whether or not the movie deserves that sort of depth right well, right like because like i don't know yeah. you know i don't know if that's what they intended it's just well, how much does that line work for you and, right. and where do you want to uh, you know ascribe that that intent to yeah. right like well, is that like the thing yeah. that they they really wanted to do or or was it just like this what's a romantic thing that he can say to her right now like well, yeah you look like an angel like, kind of like a rorschach test mm-hmm. like you get out of it what you want to get out of it right um and i already brought out my other favorite line he might be okay he might be okay yeah boom <laughs> My favorite line is from when he's being an asshole. This is like pitch perfect Bill Murray line where he's just like, come on, all the long distance lines are down. What, what about yeah. the satellite? Is it snowing in space? Like the rhetorical asshole yeah. question. He's like, don't you have some kind of line that you keep open for emergencies or for celebrities? I'm both. I'm a celebrity <laughs> in an emergency. <laughs> that actually did make yeah, me laugh. Yeah, I like, like that That's line. such a good... <laughs> I, the best part about that scene, though, yeah. is he gets bonked in the head with a shovel. Yeah. Like, right after he yeah, says that. Yeah, we were talking, like, which, is that, like, was that on purpose? Or? I, yeah, I, I really hope that was an extra. Yeah. Because the way that he spins around and looks at him, like, yeah. it, kind of, it kind of feels like it was an accident. And but. as far as, like, a line that is a little over the top that I don't love, but it makes me laugh, just that I usually toast to world peace. Oh, like, God. it's so obnoxious. Yeah, that was the moment where I was like, wait a minute, I don't want either of these people I know. to be happy. Like, but it's, like, so over the top that it kind of makes me laugh. But, like, but yeah. It's, that, that scene was the one that stuck out to me most because the fact that she drinks vermouth on ice yeah. with a twist, I'm like... But also, well, he drinks watered-down Jim Bean. Like, they're, well, they're wh- both, Whiskey like, and water is, is I a, know, but I mean, I, it's, it's not, not for me. Thing, it's not for me. Like, vermouth with yeah. a... Just drinking sweet vermouth yeah. sounds insane to me. <laughs> I've yeah. never... I'd never heard that before, yeah. but... 
Yeah. Anyway, so that's my line for a yeah. movie with a twist. Like, yeah. No, no. Um, I do like the those moments though where he is uh, he's losing his interest in the actual uh, broadcast. Mm-hmm. And the what was there was one oh there was one that there was made, one where yeah. he's just like yep they're gonna talk to a rat and the rat's gonna tell him something yeah and then we all and, go and home. it was something there was something like uh and that's the best we're gonna get from a rodent telling the weather yeah <laughs> like, and it's just yeah, yeah, such yeah. a downer it's like so funny this is pitiful a thousand people freezing their butts off waiting to worship a rat what a hype. Not like they used to mean something in this town. They used to pull the hog out and they used to eat it. I mean, but really, like, the most iconic line in this whole movie. Phil? Phil? Hey, Phil, Phil Connors? It's, it's Tobolowski. <laughs> uh, that Tobolowski scene is the scene in this movie for yeah. me. The way that they revisit it and, the way, and what it does for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Including Phil? 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 It's great. It's all right. about delivery. Like, oh, Phil yeah. in itself is not a good line. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I think from Bill Murray down to Tobolowski, yeah. and even Andy McDowell, like, the casting in this, in this movie is, is great. Yeah. Like, I think there's a lot of people in this movie that just got put in the right spot. Exactly. Which is a testament to Harold Ramis, I guess. Yeah. But, so let's talk about some things you didn't know. Unless, is there any other business we got to get to? No, that's it. No? You were it's leaning in like you were about to say something. I wasn't. I was just leaning in to start the things you didn't know conversation. Great. All right, we're already, leaning in. We're leaning Alex, in. Alex, are you ready? I'm ready, but we've already talked about a lot of it, so I'm just gonna yeah. I'm gonna adjust <laughs> on the fly. This is gonna be fun. It's gonna be like Groundhog's Day. <laughs> okay, that's, that's the trick with preparing for for these. And, and things. then we just it's talk just about like, it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so for ones that we haven't talked about yet, uh, this is a little segment we call Torf, True or False, and. <laughs> and I'll just say some trivia. And if we haven't talked about it yet, uh, Clinton Dan, or I'm sorry. Your name is Cal. Yeah. <laughs> Cal will how try. Dare, how dare you? <laughs> uh, they'll try to say if it's true or false, and you can play along at home if you want, or not. Do what you want. I'm not. We're your mom. never gonna know. Just let us yeah. know in the comments if you uh, if you got all of them right. Yeah. yeah. During production, the groundhog featured in the film was switched out for an animatronic groundhog and CGI groundhog. The production decided to switch after Bill Murray w- was bitten by the real groundhog and protests from animal rights groups. I'm gonna go with this false. is this is one of this is a half false yeah, one of one of you and, and Tayo's patented half. You caught up to our yeah. tricks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it did bite him. There's no CG. There's no ground. CG in it though. Uh, yeah, yeah. and anyway, there might, might have be. been a puppet. Yeah. in there, there probably was a puppet in there at some point, but no yeah. CGI for sure. Yeah, you guys are right. However, there is a weird little twist to this, uh, and it doesn't really have to do with the movie as much as the holiday. Of Groundhog Day. Uh, in 2020, PETA did call for the groundhog being used in the real Groundhog Day tradition to be replaced by AI. Oh, wow. Yeah, right? I mean, in what so year was this? 2020. So no, not. It's slightly yeah, ahead why, of the curve. You yeah. know, maybe we should just. Why don't. Why, instead of a groundhog, why don't we just get a coin with a groundhog on it and then <laughs> flip it? <laughs> be fine with me. Yeah. No one's going to tune into that on the evening news. No. Yeah. No, it's not. It's not cute for the sake of it yeah um but i don't think we talked about like uh bill murray did actually have to have like rabies injections because like he had been bitten so many times yeah like that's pretty great just a miserable time on this just like you're being bitten by groundhogs you're going through a divorce you're shooting the same scene over and over you're fighting with the director yeah (laughs) like bad vibes Uh, we already talked about this one too, so I'm just gonna say it. Uh, neither Ramis nor Danny Rubin, who is a screenwriter, uh, got their first choice for Phil. Ramis originally wanted Tom Hanks, and Rubin wanted Kevin Klein. I that's Mr. true. Fish I know the, the Tom yeah. Hanks thing. I think is true. Yeah. I don't know about the Kevin Klein thing. Cal, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say false. Look at my screen. 
thought Kevin Kline? Tom, yeah. Tom Hanks is true. No, Tom Hanks is true. I'm going to say Kevin Kline is false. Okay. False? Yeah. No, that's true. Huh? Uh, Ruben had hope for Kevin Kline to f- uh, play Phil Connors, but as a screenwriter, he didn't have any say. Yeah, that's very yeah. true. But he the wanted play, it. The plight yeah. of the screenwriter. And it's yeah. still, to, to this day, they have no say. Kevin Kline coming off a of fish called Wanda into this would have would have been pretty hard. This was like 10 years ago, though. Like, yeah. that was the 80s. Anyway. Um, but Tom Hanks. As, as Tom Hanks as Phil. Yeah. So that he was deemed good. too nice, which I do understand, mm-hmm. but I think I would have liked that better. Yeah, think, but he couldn't have been the like it wouldn't have sold the transition as much. That Harold yeah. Ramis, yeah. he comes by the asshole naturally. Well, that was so that was kind of Ramis's concern was that like people would like be expecting the redemption arc because you don't watch the movie thinking that Tom Hanks is just going to end up being a jerk. Yeah. Which, like, like, he's I, gonna get better. It's Tom yeah, Hanks. Yeah. Also, in 1993, gave us Tom Hanks in Philadelphia. Which, so like, I, hard I, to argue with fine. that. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. We, we won. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I would like to see a Groundhog Day with Tom Hanks. I don't know. Yeah. Would worked. Like, I'm looking at this uh, like IMDb goof. It's in the goof section, and this is like the most hilarious f-ing, uh like push the li- push my like glasses up the bridge of my nose like error quote unquote. <laughs> So let me just read this out loud because this is actually amazing. In the first scene where the bed and breakfast is shown, it is 5.59 a.m. and it's already light outside. In Punxsutawney, PA, the nautical twilight is at 5.51 a.m. And on February 2nd in Woodstock, Illinois, where the movie is filmed, the nautical twilight is not until 6.02 a.m. It is not possible that it would be as light outside as depicted in the film. Oh, my God. That guy's fun at parties. Stop! You're gonna stop letting just these anybody idiots. type these things out. <laughs> Who's? You know, so I, I hope somebody got fired I have, for I have, set on yeah, that exactly. day. I have a bigger problem with that one than I do that. The if you hear the story about the the sky in Titanic, no. Neil deGrasse Tyson noticed that the sky, the star field, or whatever in the sky when everybody's in the water at the end of Titanic was incorrect, and so Cameron actually fixed it. Like he's like that. Constellation would be on the other side of the planet, and yeah, at you know, eleven thirty p.m. on nineteen nineteen, like it's. Oh my god! It's but like, that, okay. it's that, that nonsense yeah. of just like, like no way would it be light outside. It's like, dude, shut up! Yeah. I'm kidding me yeah. right yeah. now. It's a movie. This sir. Is, this How many is, times have you seen this? <laughs> yeah, right, right. Lakes and rivers for a thousand. Milky colored from what glacial clay when entering Lake Geneva. This river is clear blue upon exiting. Jim? What is the Rhone? The Rhone, good for $1,000. You are $500 off the lead right now. Let's go to investors for 200. All right, so we've already talked a little bit about how long he was stuck in the loop. But Ramus has actually kind of weighed in and kind of like said how long he thinks it is. What do you guys think it is? It's like hmm. 300 years. So this I, isn't this isn't Torf. This is we have to come. This up is with this oh yeah. This answer. is multiple choice. This is, cho- not this multiple is choice? it's not that, multiple choice. Yeah, okay. it's just free free answer style. I I think I I think it's like between ten and twelve thousand days. Ten and twelve thousand days. How many years is that? We have no. to do some math. I was like, <laughs> uh, I think it's like three. I thought he said he did it was like 300 years. It I, I think they measured this shit in years, not days, because like uh, yeah. 300 days, it's a year. Which I get it, but like at the same time, he could not like master the piano and stuff like that in like 300 days. Yeah. yeah right, right. 
Um, so and I even think that that's coming up short. Three hundred. Because I even I I read one thing where the writer had even talked about it at one point, thinking it was even like thousands of years. But yeah. like, let's, let me see. I'm gonna go. Well, 12, they got yeah. that Mal- oh, Mal- twelve thousand days. Of, they get that Malcolm Glad- Gladwell shit. Thirty there, you thirty-two know. years. I'm gonna go thirty-two years. Thirty-two years. Yeah. That's yours. Uh, yours, yours is three hundred. Yeah. All right. Well, on the Price is Right scale, uh, Clint is. I mean, Clint's basically right. Okay, so um, yeah, yeah, you got a turf. So the subject of much debate, the time Phil spent in his seemingly endless time loop. Uh, Ramus originally estimated that Phil spent a total of 10 years in his uh-huh. cycle. However, after a widely popular blog named Wolfnard estimated eight years, eight months, and 16 days, this caused Ramus to change his estimate to 30 to 40 years. So Clint, you're basically right. Hey, Thirty-two years. Right. Yeah. Thirty to forty years. Yeah. Yeah. I because mean, like, I had a zero there. You, yeah, that's all yeah. you did. Yeah. yeah. I mean, spending so much time just kind of like screwing off in there, yeah. like, and at all of those, all of those years, rewatching that episode of Jeopardy. Yeah. Like those, those add up. Well, that's oh, the thing. Yeah. Like so many people, like, like this blog, like Wolfnard, like they, like really did the math of like how long does it take you to learn master the piano? Right. How long does it learn like to learn ice sculpting? Uh, so there is a science to it, but then yeah, yeah there's just a bunch but of like dicking around. That squishy yeah. kind of yeah. Like, like I have to like also like I think about like how long the first half of the movie took. Like I imagine that's not the bulk of the time. That's probably like yeah. a year or so. I feel like not even how long. Yeah. How long like did it take months. him to yeah. to relentlessly try and kill himself? Exactly. Yeah. yeah, I feel like you get there before a year. You know, probably. I bet you go. I mean, you go crazy quick. Yeah. I wonder what happens to him after when he gets out. It's because he can't really talk about that experience. Mm-hmm. You know, Ten yeah, not in any meaningful way, right? I mean, but he like, can talk to Rita like, about whatever, it. What, do you a think, little bit. Do yeah. you think every morning he wakes up with the fear of make of the of it might be yesterday again? It might for the rest again. for the yeah. rest of his life. Probably. Every day, it's just like, like I, I mean, I, I, I would. Yeah. That, like he is a, an absolute wreck. How much? Yeah. Give him another six months, you and think, he's it's he's going to deteriorate completely. Probably done listening to uh, Sonny and Cher, huh? Yeah. Any more twerf? I think I have one more twerf. One more. Harold Ramis and Danny Rubin considered including an explanation for Phil being stuck in a time loop, kind of like we were talking about earlier. Uh, One of the possibilities included Phil having been cursed by a homeless man he had previously berated. True or false? Cursed by a homeless man? Do you think the homeless guy that he didn't give money to? Yeah, he's He's, already sitting right there. That seems very Buddhist. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. That's uh, which is in keeping. I'm going to go true. Okay. Yeah. I, I agree. But I'm also going to hedge my bet and assume this is a half, a halvesy you again. Ha- you're on up to mine yep. and Dio's tricks. <laughs> but yes, uh, so they we're, did. We're groundhog daying our way through exactly, this segment, yeah. so I can tell yeah. what's going to So happen. yes, it is true that they did consider um, giving an explanation for the time loop, and I'm glad they didn't for the record. Yeah. Um, but one of the possibilities included Phil having been cursed by a scorned lover or someone he had verbally abused. They decided it was mm. best to leave it a mystery, which is the right call. I believe they got that one right. Yeah. yeah. Do you ever have deja vu, Mrs. Lancaster? I don't think so, but I could check with the kitchen. Well, then that leaves us time for, for one final segment, which is, of course, Calibro, your favorite segment. Who's Nicolas Cage playing this? I, I put him right up top. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I put him Cage, as, I agree. That's what I have. At this point, Nicolas Cage uh, in 93, I'm, and yeah. I'm no time traveling Nicolas Cage. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. 93 Nicolas Cage. Is, He's coming off a honeymoon in Vegas. Yeah. Um, so, like, he's got that kind of fun romantic comedy oh, energy yeah. 
I, he can also be like this would have been this would be post Moonstruck. He mm-hmm. could do this. No, he mm-hmm. could yeah. absolutely do this. I actually, and and I would, also yeah. like I the, think it'd be good. You know, yeah. the, what kind of abrasive monster he was in Vampire's Kiss. Yeah, mm-hmm. like he's got the chops to oh, yeah. to be Phil Connor for sure. Yeah, there's no doubt. Yeah, because um, I don't. I'm for sure don't want him to be Stephen Toby Nope. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm not about to take work away from Brian Doyle Murray. No, I know that. Nope. No. Um, I just feel like everyone else, else is, he'd be yeah. too big. Elliot he'd be, be too, too big. Yeah, yeah, that's too small. Yeah, I just feel like, and everyone else too is like borderline irreplaceable. Like yeah. I, w- I don't want anyone else. Period. Playing them. Nicholas Cage starring in this movie instead of Bill Murray. What does that do to the legacy of this of this movie? Do you think it's in that particular Splinter universe? Is it better or worse reviewed from the jump? And does it have that sort of cult kind of status develop over the years? Assuming we are saying that, like, Nicolas Cage steps in and gives a Nicolas Cage version of a career-defining performance. Sure. Right? Yeah. Right? And he doesn't play it, like, exactly like Bill Murray would. But what we're going to just say is, like, in the alternate universe where this is a, like, known-for movie on Nicolas Cage's IMDb page, right? I think it stays kind of the same. And I think, like... Truth be told, it would probably play on some of the lessons that, like, Nicholas Cage learned in earlier roles, which is to take, like, weird creative risks. Mm-hmm. And, like, this would be a profoundly weirder movie. Can you imagine that scene with the with the groundhog in the car that I saw <laughs> with Nick Cage? Yeah. Honestly, I would love to see Peter Lowe doing the, doing the weather report to be an asshole to P- a woman. Peter Lowe, yeah. his character from Vampire's Kiss? Yeah. yeah. Peter Lowe, the Vampire's Kiss character, just doing, like, the weather report to be an asshole to the, like, little old woman who's running her bed and breakfast. Yeah, yeah. Like it, he would, it would have been, it would have been bananas. This yeah. would have been a much weirder movie, and I think it would have been, I th- I don't think it would have gotten the credit that that it did get, mm-hmm. like when it initially came out. Um, I I don't think it would be bigger at all. I think it'd be a much, yeah. it would be a much smaller blip on on everybody's radar. Yeah, yeah. But I think to your point, right? Like, just like Nicolas Cage got like reass, like his whole career got like reassessed in like the late aughts, right? And yeah, and like stuff like really rose because like it probably would have been like a slightly bigger uh, vampire's kiss yeah. for that matter. Yeah, mm-hmm. a little more accessible. Yeah. vampire's kiss. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think there's any other role for him to play. No, in this I don't. Movie. Yeah, there's not. That's a, like, I feel like that's the first time we went straight to the top for Nick Cage. Yeah. Wow, I, straight to the top. Congratulations yeah. to Nick Cage. Okay, campers, rise and shine. And don't forget your booties because it's cold out there today. Is this a masterpiece? Any kind of? Do we like this movie enough to call it a masterpiece? It's not on my list, so. Oh, we just skipping straight well, ahead. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> not on your list. We're over two. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna hold mine back. Then. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, I'm not gonna. I'm sure. I'm sure it's a great movie. Is it a yeah. masterpiece? I respect <laughs> its legacy. Yeah, but I don't. I. I if we're gonna. Yeah. yeah. If we're gonna just throw it around, sure. But well, let's not. We shouldn't. Yeah. We shouldn't. Well, we should. Let's, yeah. let's hold some of it back. I think. Uh, yeah, I don't think so either. No, I think I it's. Think so. I think it's really sharp. I think it's smart. And I think it does some things really well and yeah. pulls on some interesting threads in like in very open ended ways, which I appreciate. Like yeah. it's not a it's not a movie that tries to provide answers mm-hmm. for any of the questions that it raises, which I think is is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not a match piece. Yeah. No, I like yeah. I like Harold Ramis's. Honestly, I like Multiplicity better. I've never seen well, <laughs> Multiplicity is such a goofy, weird time. Okay, that- a trivia piece that I didn't get to was uh, Michael Keaton was originally offered. Uh, the Bill Murray role in this, yeah, and ended up in Multiplicity. 
but yeah. yeah, that's all. Well, he and Harold Ramis are finally got together. Yep, they did it. They thank, did it eventually. Thank goodness. Yeah. So all that, just on the strength of knowing that multiplicity is also not on my list. Yeah. I didn't have... Uh, I didn't so you're trying to say this Groundhog is Day on my list either, which means this got on our top 100 <laughs> because of Dan on the strength of Dan. And I, I have to say, like, I kind of alluded to this earlier, but I really thought I was going to be like the only jerk who like isn't in love with this movie because mm-hmm. it is a quite beloved movie. It is. It is. Um, but I was shocked. Uh, I am shocked to hear that it is a Dan only joint. It is only on Dan's it's list, I guess. Only on oh, wow. So how how much Let juice me, how much juice does Dan have on the overall list now since this see. isn't on any uh, of ours? Yeah. If Dan's listening, I'm waiting on him to type uh, to me, send me a message to see where he put it on his list. Um, 19th. Well, that'll get Number you on 19. it. Yeah, so, yeah. so if it shows up in the, it, it got Independence Day. It got list. Independence Day. Yeah. yeah. Showed up. If you show up in the teens on one of our lists, it's going to get That's you on true. here. Yeah. So let's see uh, where it is. Let's get this open. Oh. Groundhog Day. Number nine. 97. Barely wow. made the cut. Just snuck on the now list. Now I'm doing a lot of math about our algorithm. Like one person Slowly. put it at 19, just barely got it on. Slowly figuring it out. We're going to figure it out by the time we get to yeah. Hondo. Let me tell you. I, You know what? Honestly, I hope I don't. <laughs> I just, it's like Groundhog Day. You don't uh, want to exactly. know why it's happening. We don't need to explain this. No. You're missing the point exactly. if you're worried about why it matters. Yeah. Um, so number 97, Groundhog Day, just barely sneaking on the list. Thank you. Thank you, Dan, for, uh, getting us to all watch it again. Mm -hmm. And, um, I am fine. (laughs) Not included (laughs) it on my list. I can't. I I I enjoyed it. I I hadn't seen it in a long time and I enjoyed it and there's some good parts to it, but it's fine. I I, I am glad this podcast forced me to watch it. Uh, like it's good. I feel like it's good that I've seen it. But you can be part of the conversation. Exactly. Now, now I'm yeah. part of the list. Finally, okay. yeah, you can finally talk about Finally, I can talk Day. about movies. Um, uh, yeah, so next next episode, uh, we're going to talk about, uh, and listen, we made no secret about how much you love this movie. We're going to talk about Terminator 2 Judgment Day next time. Ooh. That's going to be a very different episode so for that'll me. That'll be a very different episode. <laughs> yeah for Alex. Uh, But in the meantime, thanks for talking about Groundhog Day. Thanks for listening to us talk about Groundhog Day. Thank you to Tayo Yakin. Thank you to Ryan Franzen who are back there making all this work. Jamie Parslow, you did fine. Um, (laughs) Dan... Bitch. Dan got a, made got us a, a talk solo about solo Dan pick on the list. I'm not super happy about that. So once again, not going to thank him. <laughs> um, but thank you, everybody. We'll see you next week. And uh, Torf at your own risk, I suppose. We have to try to find ways to find peace and art and love and connection in the midst of the chaos of life. So that's life writing. I am so excited to have comic and daily show correspondent Roy Wood Jr. Well, hello. That joke was birthed from my trip to the African-American Smithsonian in DC, which that was the first time I saw something where, all right, on this floor, it's nothing but good news. Mm. We've gone through slavery, we've gone through desegregation and emancipation proclamation and reconstruction. But on this floor, Beyonce, Michael Jordan, Issa Rae. Thank you for coming. (laughs) Come and join us on Life Writing for more stories like these and the tools writers need to make yourself the hero or heroine of the adventure of your life. Life Writing is available wherever you get your podcasts.